day, everyone. Welcome back to Sunday Night Teacher Talk, a show where, look, it's it is uh, it's more of a meeting place for us to figure out what this thing is of education and how we can enter into it as the best version of our teacher selves. And so it's myself, uh, and I don't really talk about her that much, but because my friend Rusty mentioned it, um, I was talking to my friend Rusty this week, and he said, he goes, did you have a guest on last week? I heard this woman talking, but I couldn't see her face. I said, oh, no, 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 that's my wife. That's the not-so-secret wife uh, who's currently making me coffee in the other room. But um, this is, look, a safe space for teachers to show up to and explore and express what they think, what they feel, what's going on in their classrooms, and anything else that might be affecting their classrooms, too. We realize that being a teacher isn't just about good pedagogy or, like, figuring out like the best lesson is being able to show up as the best version of yourself that you can to be able to do really good work. Thanks, love. Oh, I just realized our dryer is still on. I don't know if Which anybody... one are you? Give me, give me this one. Oh, I don't care. You take whichever one. Uh, yeah, let's turn the dryer off. I think that's a good idea. <laughs> that's when you're, when you're, when your office is the laundry room. We can't even reel about now. So if you have a question, man, uh, it's because maybe, look, maybe this is your first time. Uh, you can go ahead right to the comment section and leave a question. It helps if you put question before it or Q. Um, and as just a way to, to say thank you, anyone that makes a, a super chat, right? So like there's a way to do a super chat if you're on YouTube. Those questions get pushed to the top just because we want to honor those people and thank them for for like, you know, throwing a bone to, the, uh, to, to those of us doing this stuff. So um, this is episode 219, love. I can't believe it. 219 so times and that's before we even did we used to do this show uh teacher talk live where i was on here with like another kind of youtuber instagram per teacher and then we started doing this but this is the 219th time that we've done this that's crazy it's crazy it's crazy where we where we've, we've done, done it in these. so many places we did on the beach one time we did that's the beach the airport a rest stop. I killed my phone on the way to mm, Pittsburgh. And my right. phone died and I didn't have a charger. Vacation spots. <laughs> yeah. So. I All right. We actually have no questions right now. That's fine with me. Um, You know. I love all the people in the comments just chatting it up, asking how everybody is. That's such a great works, community. Man. It is such a great community. And I think the importance of that is like, I just finished a book. Uh, what was it called? I think it was called Fans First by Jesse Cole, who was the owner of a a baseball team called the Savannah Bananas. And I got put on to him last year through some way, shape, or form. But there, you know, there's so many similarities between what we are trying to do as a business and what they are trying to do. Like, so their company is called Fans First Entertainment. And we are always talking about how like education is only ever about students, right? And so what he would say is that as the leader of the team, as the, as the owner of the team, he needs to be the biggest fan of the team. But then who his emphasis goes on after that is not, is not just fans. It is his players next. And because if he's like, if we are loving the players and creating this fun and awesome environment for players, then that's naturally going to inspire them to show up for fans. Cause it's not something he could do by himself. And I think although we are, you know, I think one of the things people get kind of misconstrued sometimes is that although I'm always saying education is only about the students. We have to love our teachers first. Like, so higher ups and teachers themselves need to be loving each other and themselves first so that they can show up for students. Um, so yeah. And I just, man, there's a million ways to do that. It makes me want to just like 
I wish, I, I don't know. I have a million ideas of how mm. schools could do that too. You know, and when I do speak, like when I speak, I get to talk to, to administrators, but it's not, it's like mentioning almost in passing. It's not like really being yeah. able to like affect that change. But, um, but I have heard, I mean, people have emailed us that have read the book and they mention like, my principal started doing this like because some, you yeah. said it. Yeah. Uh, like what if, man, if they had like, I don't know. There's a we just need things. to get you to consult to get in schools and then you can have like all the this ideas. So busy. It's hard. It's hard. There's a million things to do. Okay. We do have some questions. Are you ready for one? Let's do it. All right. Uh, man, you know me. I don't know vowels. That one's. You're trying. Yeah. No, I don't want to try because then I just butcher it. No, no, no. I was saying oh. you're trying. I was saying like. <laughs> All right. Well, try. so our first question. How do I get nine more drafts marked in the next hour and a half? I think this was a funny. <laughs> I, look, I, this is how you do it. Um, probably not listening to us and paying attention and yeah, focusing. Yeah. I'm going to go <laughs> I'm gonna against advise the, you to turn us off. This is weird and advice. Focus in. Stop watching. Stop watching this live feed. <laughs> look, I think um, one of the ways I do get stuff done when I know that I have to get stuff done is you have to remember like Parkinson's law says that we, uh, an activity takes the amount of time that we give it. And so if you really think about like when people are coming over your house, how you have to like clean up uh, quickly so that you can get ready. Um, that when you're, you know, if it's somewhere exciting to go, it's really, oh, this isn't a good example for my children, but I think of when I was a kid, it took me a long time to get ready to go and do anything. But if my mom said they were going somewhere and they, if I hurried up, we could stop at Toys R Us or something like that, man, I was, I was ready instantly. It took no time at all. And so, or if you're going out for ice cream, yeah, right. You just can like get yourself together and mm -hmm. like, all right, here we go. <clears throat> so my suggestion is always, you got to create the vibe, right? And so part of creating the vibe for me is when I'm in my office, I have the right music on. I have lights on. Sometimes I have like a candle that I like. So like even the scent in the room is something that I love. I put the right kind of music on. So I'm not going to listen to like, I don't know, like there's a band I love, uh, The National, but they're just always kind of like this all the time. I was singing songs that are kind of like, and it's like, bro, oh man, you're not really, uh, not really pushing me forward to, to feel it. So I want to, feel that energy too. And then I put on a timer and putting on the timer is a great way to kind of keep you. So if you break it down and you had nine drafts, it's like just for fun, figure out like, you know, what's nine 60 divided by nine. And so how many minutes would I have if I it only took me an hour to do this? Right. And then see where you get in an hour, like, or see how, like how long certain ones take you. It's, it's kind of like creating, like gamifying it and seeing what you can get done. And then that's how I typically do it. But that's what motivates me. So um, yeah, that's one of my ideas. All right. Good luck with that. <laughs> All right. Laura is up next asking how to best give voice slash advocate to what teachers want for PD. Why is this such a difficult concept? I keep waiting for some useful PD to come our way. Ideally, we would like time as a grade level. So you're right. So but the issue becomes, right, Laura, that uh, schools have a mandated number of teachers. I mean, ultimately, teachers have a number of PD hours that they need to do contractually so that they can um, be in good standing with the state if you are, if you have certification to the state. So that being said, schools have to offer that amount of time. So it's like, but why isn't ever useful? I will tell you that more often than not, 
mine has been not useful. I, I can remember, I'm trying to be generous here, two, maybe three professional developments. We had one on special education that was incredible. There was uh, another guy that came in and spoke and there might, oh, oh, there, there, it was three. Cause there was a woman that came to talk about how to teach boys specifically since we're all boys school. And not everyone loved that one, but I thought it was mind blowing and it was, it was great. And the folks that argued against me, uh, I don't know how they can argue it. It's like based in science. So it's like, we're going to, it's, it's like, like neurology based, which yeah, I thought was so It was so, so brilliant. Yeah. I, mean, I learned, I like bought her book after that and everything. So with, so I, I think it is, it's, I think it's, so here's what I would do. I would find people that you think would create great professional development, right? So like look in your, in your neighborhood, look in like somewhere that's surrounding you would probably be the easiest way um, or online, right? So like if I was going to do this, I would say, so let's say I'm going to use myself as an example, not because I'm the only, I'm the person I know the best, right? So if someone were to pitch me to their school, it's, hey, we're noticing that we're having a really hard time with student engagement this year or with, and um, and with a lot of classroom management issues in the school. Here's a guy that specializes in that. We think that we could have him come in for, you know, this year or over the summer or whatever it is. Here's the website. Here's the YouTube channel. Here's the, the blog. If someone has a blog. And so what you're doing is you're identifying an issue and you're showing them how you're going to solve the issue. You can move that. It doesn't bother. Um, and you're showing them how to solve that particular issue. So I think what administrators have, like teachers deal with a lot of problems over during the day, but I would say that good administrators are only dealing with problems during the day, right? That's the only thing they're doing is problem solving all day. So it's not that I'm trying to say this with some intelligence. Um, I think the bottom line is that it's not always having a problem pointed out, but it's, man, when someone can have a solution for you also, that's what I would do. So it's like, Hey, here's what we're working on. Uh, this is what we as a group think that we need, or at least the majority think that we need, uh, and send out a Google form about that. Right. We, we asked everyone, and then here are potential folks to come in to do this sort of training for us. That's, that's how I would handle it. Um, and then just the squeaky wheel gets the oil. Make a lot of noise about it. Like, make sure that they know that this is what you need. This is what you want. This is what this is, the school is going to benefit from. The students are going to benefit from. And draw that parallel so that they don't have to sit there and think about it. And the louder you are, it's like, you know, you could even say, hey, if you want me to reach out to this individual that we found, I'd be more than happy to, like, do the initial com communication with them and find out what their pricing is and all that sort of stuff so that, you know, you can go back to the principal with an answer. Um, maybe even I'm not, I'm, I am not about bureaucracy. So it's kind of funny that I'm going to say this because I'm not necessarily one that would say, Hey, start another committee. But if you had like a professional development committee where teachers had a say and it's, it is completely democratic. So like people are sharing what they think you all are just coming up with the ideas, coming up with the solutions, coming up with ways that we can do this. I think that's a really great idea. And then fit, I think finding ways to, to put time in there for people to even process 
you know, it's not about data. It's not just about downloading into people. It's giving them space and time to process what they're thinking. And then how are we going to create time for them to implement this in their classrooms? We need to be giving teachers time to do that sort of thing as well. All right. Meg is up next asking tips for a high school teacher temporarily switching to elementary oh. school. I'm worried about having to change my teacher uh, persona too much and losing the love of the job. You know, Meg, that's a good, that's a really good question. I would say um, I would drink Red Bull and eat pixie sticks on the way to school um, would be a good way to get your energy up. But I was just thinking the other night I was hanging out uh, with my family, had a big St. Patrick's Day party. And on East Coast here in America, it's a big thing. Uh, not so much anyone I know on the West Coast is just like, well, my mom, actually, you text me yesterday. She's what? like, really? Nobody does anything here. I go, yeah, because you're in New Mexico. I said, it's not a surprise. So it, I didn't know that that it was just a here thing, but well, I think it's wherever yeah. like there's pockets of a lot of Irish. I, well, we live in like the most Irish Catholic neighborhood I can imagine. We're I think like, we're like the top one of the top three in the country. I was listening on the radio; they were like listing all the different yeah. places. Yeah. Anyway, natural. So, um, we were at this family gathering, and my cousins, like true Irish Catholics, make a lot of babies. And so there are many, many, many little children running around. There's like 10 little toddlers. From infancy to eight. Yeah. And then, and then our two, then 13 yeah. and 15. But what I found was that it's really not that much different to me. To like, because I love hanging out with little kids. It is like when I'm at a party, I would rather hang out with little kids a lot of times that I would adults and not because I don't love my family. Like I have really wonderful cousins that are all older like me. But there's just something so magical about little kids. And so I love just like playing trucks and we're and we're running around with Nerf guns and we're doing, you know, whatever weird crap rolling down hills and stuff like that, which made me really itchy. But uh, that was really information <laughs> that you needed to know. But what I found was that it to me, I never talked to little kids like they were little kids. I just talked to them regular and and asking them about what they're interested in. What do they like? What, what would be cool? What would be really fun right now? Like, um, can you all believe that we even get to learn about this stuff? Can you even believe we get to do this right now? And so it is to me just talking to kids the same way. And I do the same thing with teenagers as, as well. Like I don't talk down to them. I don't try to sound cool. I don't try and use certain language that they think I'm hip or something. Cause I ain't been cool since 1995, but it is, talking to folks, caring for them, looking at what they need, and then figuring out solutions to get them what they need. That's all I would be kind of focusing on. And then it's all the same things I talk about all the time. It's like making sure, like, are we communicating with parents? Are we making sure that we understand the child? Are we making sure that their social emotional needs are being met? Because their educational needs are never really going to be met in any effective or meaningful sort of way if we're not caring for them for who they are. And 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 remembering that we're caring for those the people in front of us these these young people for who they are not for who we want them to be and remembering i think that one of the things that i don't really talk about enough but but i should talk about this more is that when you're young things are such a big deal to you it's like they are right under your skin like to get like when you have a breakup it is like the most crippling destructive thing when you're a teenager, it is like your whole life is over. But, you know, I would imagine 
I, I've never been, I haven't been through a breakup in since the nineties, but uh, you know, friends that I have that like even get divorced, most of them are like, kind of just move on with life. Like it doesn't take a million years for them to move on with life. But, you know, I, I just think that that's, it is, that stuff is so right under the surface. So when you're young and someone takes your toy, they button line, they are talking over you, they ate one of your Skittles, whatever it is, it is, it's right there. So just talking to them, not like it's beneath you, right? And I'm not saying that you would do this, Meg, but like I've seen adults do this. It's, oh man, that must have really hurt. That must have really been something that was difficult for you. Uh, I'm really sorry that that happened. And then walking them through how things are going to, how you can take care of those things. So that would be my suggestion. Um, and the Red Bull and Pixie Sticks. You can just put the Pixie Sticks right in the Red Bull probably too. <laughs> it's already disgusting. Oh my I mean, gosh. That has so much sugar. Dude, oh, okay. I tried one once. I couldn't do it. No, I like Pixie Sticks. I was sticks. on 15 that day. Oh, man. I felt Pixie like Tas- Sticks or Red Bulls? Red Bull. Yeah, oh, I can't ever I felt like I was drinks. a Tasmanian devil. I felt like Animal from the Muppets. Yeah, it I think I would like, like it. I'm already on too high energy right? most of the time. All right. Uh, John Lopez is coming in with, what do you think are the emotional and or educational parasites in the teaching profession currently? I like that yeah. he puts currently. It changes. It <laughs> Lopez, I would say. So, like, if we're thinking of like what is a parasite, something that takes your energy, sucks your energy away. Um, you know, John, I there's a lot here. I, I think it's I think it's when we I'm trying to think of how I want to kind of say this. When we curate all of a teacher's curriculum, right? We don't just give them the curriculum, but we tell them how to teach and exactly what moment they're going to be teaching. We take all of that autonomy away. That is, now you're just a cog in the machine. You're not even doing, you used to be an artist. You know, you used to be a, a fine woodworker. Now you're like just putting the gadget on and tightening it and then it goes and then the next gadget comes and you're tightening it and it goes. Like, why don't we just have, kids learn on a computer through like, I don't know, some kind of online learning program instead. Um, I think that's part of it. I think not giving, and part of the reason that that's an issue, even John, is that we're not, we don't give teachers and students enough time to process anything that's going on, not their feelings, not the work, not what's going on in the world, not what's, you know, nothing. There's no just time. You know, Mr. Rogers used to say that our, in education, we've become far too obsessed with data and less obsessed with wonder. And that when we just allow kids to wonder, when we allow kids to be bored, when we allow kids to just kind of roam around and, and think and explore things and check stuff out, we've moved completely away from that as if we're so scared that the rest of the world's going to like, you know, become so smart. And we, we, we weren't when, you know, especially and this is a little bit idealistic, but I think that, you know, the world was built on dreamers. It was built on people that, that didn't follow what everyone else does. No one, you can't lead if you're following what everyone else does. And so it is allowing kids those crucial moments to think, to feel, to explore, to express, to work through stuff, to wonder about things and let that kind of dictate some of our curriculum. And I'm not saying the whole day has to be about that. Cause you know, I, I don't want to have like, kids like just because look we we've created kids that that need the machine at this point they need the machine they need 
structure and all of these sorts of things. But I think still creating structure, still creating meaningful moments of like actual, like sort of uh, concentrated learning on, on, on a number of things, but allowing some time for those sort of things. You know, I think about when my kids were in elementary school, Lopez, uh, they had seven minutes to play outside. So they had 10 minutes of recess, took a minute and a half for them to get to the playground, minute and a half to line up and get back to class. So they had seven minutes on the playground. What five, six, seven-year-old only gets seven minutes on the playground once a day? That's it. And then a 20-minute lunch where you were not even allowed to sit with your friends. You had to sit at a table that was designated because it was easier for them to take a roll or something like that. It's like, it's just... I, I don't know. I, I I look at like what friends of mine, like uh, my friend Becky Schnexer, if you've not read her book, anyone, and you are a science teacher, it is incredible. Even if you're elementary and science is a small part of what you're doing, her book, Exploration Science, is fantastic. She's unbelievable. And so I think that that's, that's I think, part of the issue. Um, there's a whole leadership issue in there, too. and But that depends on your leadership at your school, too, because I know some leaders that are incredible just the best. Yeah, I think there's great classrooms in public education too. And yeah. there's really terrible classrooms in public education. It's, it's, there's a, that's a hard question, John. Yeah. All right, well, let's go over here to some happy news. Uh, First of all, Cy Guy. Great profile. Uh, is not, I know. And he's not even asking a question. He just had a great comment and I thought I'd read it. It says, hey, Reynolds, I just wanted to say thank you for all the advice I started watching back in the day when I first started college. And now I'm two months from the end and just got hired at my first school. Oh, yes. Exciting. So Cy Guy, it. if you haven't, you go read Becky's book since you're science, I'm imagining. <laughs> Let me do this as a graduation gift. Um, if you can send me an email at real wrap with real wrap with Reynolds at gmail.com, um, just remind me of this. And I would love to just sign a book and send it to you. Um, even if you already have one, you can give your other one to somebody or something. I don't know, but I'd love to just as a graduation gift, send that to you. All right. Thanks so much, man. I'm so, I, I'm assuming Cy guy, I'm assuming, um, but thank you so much for, for being, for doing that. It's awesome. All right. Up next is Joe. Just started reading your book. Excellent, by the way. Hoping for some tips in beginning to design a project-based curriculum around state standards. I'm a middle school math teacher. So thank you very much, first of all, for the kind words. I I love, I, I can't What's well, kind express. of, it's always funny, right? When you write something and you're like, ah, it impacts people. Yeah. I think that's what you get tripped up on all the time. No, it's like I wrote it actually, all by I know. <laughs> and it took forever. And then to like that someone read it and they were like, oh, that meant something to me. It's like. Well, I'm still surprised wow. that it, like people buy it every month. I'm like, oh yeah, look, people, people buy this thing. Yeah, so yeah. funny. We just did it in our lunchroom. <laughs> yeah. And it, or well, I didn't do it. You I did spent it. Spent a lot of time at Starbucks too. Uh, but <laughs> um, designing a project project-based curriculum around state standards. I think where I would start with Joe is I think when creating, so it's looking at, when I think of project-based learning, I think of looking at your state standards, right? And identifying, like I used to print mine out old school and then so I can make notes and highlight things and highlighting not everything, right? You don't want to squeeze every single standard into a project that you can, because that just makes it overbearing for kids. It makes it feel like it's too high stakes for you. Like you got to pull off this giant feat, but figuring out what is, what actually, what naturally fits into a project. And then it's thinking, well, what is, what are the students in front of me? One, 
how are they best going to learn? Is this something that I want to teach as they're doing group projects? Is this something that's individual? Is it? And then what do those groups look like? I would say nothing over three people is ever a good idea because that fourth kid, we all know that doesn't do anything. And how do I know that? Was I that kid in high school? That's another conversation for another time. But um, I would say that, so figuring that out, and then it's figuring out what are your students actually interested in right now? So recently, my daughter, and I don't know if I told this story before, but I'll share it. And this teacher is not even at the school anymore anyway. So a teacher, my daughter had a science teacher earlier in the year um, that subsequently left her school. But she created this project for them where they had to create a poster board. I think this was for science. Had to create a poster board project. So they had to do like, um, come up with facts about like, you can already tell by my face how I feel about this. They come up with like facts about something. It was like some kind of insect or something like that, or an animal and that they didn't even get to pick. They were like given. And then they made like a poster board with like pictures of it printed out. And then like little notes underneath. And I thought like, this is what I did when I was in like all, all of high school, but like fifth grade. Um, I feel like I started doing stuff like this and I can't, you can't show me anywhere in the world where this this actual like anything in this project was still applicable to me as an adult, right? Like if if I can find it on if I can Google it, then I'm not even like I have a hard time like trying to remember stuff because I don't think your brain is for like holding information anymore. There's a million ways to hold information, right? What I want to do is be a critical thinker, and that's a whole other conversation. My point being that. My daughter got really bored with the project. She was really upset. This is what they had to do. And um, she's like, well, what would you do if this was your class? I said, I would do. There's a couple of things. So if I had to do something around, if, right, so we're looking at math. Um, I'm not sure like where you want that project to live under the, under the umbrella of math. But I would start thinking about, you know, the best way. One of the things about projects is that kids are learning something so well that they can actually literally teach it to someone else. And that that's the highest form of mastery in, in education. And so if we are looking at a concept, an idea, um, planets, something around English, like whatever it is, can I create something? I told my daughter, I said, what if you were, had the scientific concept that you were working on in class and you had a YouTube channel and the YouTube channel was set to private so only people with the link could see it. So your teacher and that class. And I mean, you could make other parameters around this. You could just make a video, make it look like a YouTube channel. It doesn't really matter if it's on YouTube. But I thought it would be cool if it was on YouTube. And then you upload a video that you had to do research for. You had to hit certain markers for. It had to be in this amount of minutes. So instead of doing something like silly, like just having a kid stand in front of class and give a seven minute presentation. What if they had a five to seven minute YouTube video? What if we were teaching students how to edit, how to overlay images and texts and professionals and all that stuff in your description box was a, was a summary of what you were doing and links to cite all the places that you got your information in case someone wanted to find out more about it. Then in the comment section below, Students had to watch your video and they had to have a thoughtful comment, speaking to something, asking an interesting question, whatever it was. But that was kind of the follow-up process. And that's only one way to kind of do a project that takes it from this sort of uselessly analog activity. Uh, and I'm not against analog in many ways, but uselessly analog activity of like poster board creation that we're going to do what with to like creating something online 
that every kid wants a YouTube channel everywhere, anyway. And even the kids that don't want a YouTube channel, they all watch YouTube constantly. So we're going to a medium that they already want to do or already think is interesting or already think is fun or already think is cool. And you're just marrying these two things. It didn't change necessarily even the lesson or what you were asking from them. It was the delivery system and the way in which they were like, like uh, able to create it that was actually changed. And so that's just one of the ways I would think about like shifting how we're thinking about creating stuff like that. And there's a million other ways that you could have kids do. I mean, you can have kids produce like a series of TikToks that all taught segments of a certain lesson, like come up with a catchy song that's going to teach this math principle or how do we remember how to do, you know, whatever practice, whatever principle we're on, we're working through right now. We're going to come up with like fun, catchy little tunes. My buddy Alex Kajitani is the rapping mathematician and he does this all the time. He does like, create songs to help his students in math remember how like to move decimals and things like that. All right. All right. You go on and on about that one, but all right. Jennifer is up next asking, we have had an increase of behavioral issues at the middle school level, 20 plus students <coughs> suspended for bullying to possession and uh, distribution of vapes. Uh, THC. We haven't gotten much feedback from admin. I'm imagining this goes somewhere on. Uh, what what to do about behavioral issues with the lack of information from admin? Um, mm, the bullying so has forced I, some into online learning. So I think, first of all, it is impressing on administration. So I, I don't know why I can I don't want to even speculate like why I, your administration is taking so long, but I'm sure there are there are. I, I will, I would like to think that there are reasons that this is taking, right? Sometimes it, it just takes a moment, it takes a beat to like really figure out uh, like a, a thoughtful response and a plan as to what's going to happen next. Um, however, I would impress upon the teachers in your school to, to kind of keep the pressure there because these are both incredibly important things. Like the, the amount of which kids even vape, THC or not, is like just the, like so if we even start there it's like it's so preposterous how kids don't think it's a big deal and it's like bro this is so much more addictive than cigarettes it's unbelievable like if we look at the science and then the effects of thc and i i think it's looking a little bit even beyond that of like what are the reasons that we're using thc like why do you as a middle schooler need to be high to come to school and maybe school's just super boring but like maybe you're you are self-medicating because something else is going on. So it's trying to figure out what's going on in the lives of these students that is that is creating this life that, that makes them want to have that make this lifestyle choice. With regards to bullying, that's another thing that I think we often don't look behind. We just we just punish for what's happening. But you know, when my son, I remember my son was getting bullied one time on his way home from school. My wife would be working. It was like my wife left for work and I was coming home. There was like a 20 minute gap. And so that's when my son got done school. So he starts walking home by himself and he was getting picked on. So I started leaving work early to sort of like help the situation. And when he would point out the kids that were bullying him, it was like a no duh. Like this, like no kidding. This kid is the bully, right? It's someone that looks like they don't, they, they didn't look very clean. Their clothes were a little bit too small. 
their hair, they needed a haircut and not like in a fun, like Biebery way. It was like a, you look like unkept. And then I remember seeing those kids around the neighborhood and seeing them with adults who I assume were their parents. And like the parents, like, I remember one kid got punched on the bus stop one time and I was like, I had to go outside. And so it is, it is bullies. Don't most of the time, bullies don't just become bullies out of nowhere. They, they became that way for a reason. Right. And so this old adage of hurt people, hurt people. So it's, it's impressing upon administration and reminding yourselves that like this stuff needs to be taken care of because if I mean, bullying, like I, as a 46 year old man, I can tell you who all the biggest bullies were to me growing up. Like I still remember those moments. It's still a part of my story. And so it's, it's keeping that in mind. And when you keep pressure, Jennifer, it's not keeping pressure. I just, if this is worth thinking about sometimes, this isn't you, this isn't just what you need and just what your teachers need. We're keeping pressure because kids need it because kids deserve a safe space to go to school. Kids deserve um, education around things like vaping and drug use and, and things of that nature, because it's utterly important that if we're creating kids that are academically brilliant, but like behaviorally and emotionally have a deficiency, what the hell's the use of having an A if you're, if, you know what I mean? Like if you're not, if you can't do anything with it. So it's pushing that. And then I think it's really having conversations with young people. Um, you know, we've tried to do this in my school in the past where there would be an issue. And um, so there was a real issue a few years ago with like this casual talk around like date rape culture, right? It was just like this kind of like, huh, like not a big deal. Like we're just brushing it off. And, um, and so we decided we were going to have, so the school tried to do like a assembly about date rape. What a freaking nightmare. And who do they have come speak? It was these two cute young women from like a local college came in. And I was like, this is who you picked to have a conversation. Like these girls are, are barely out of high school themselves. And they didn't come to speak like from experience or something like that. It was like this. It was horrible. It was one of the worst <clears throat> assemblies I've ever been. Because the guys were like cat calling when it was, it was out of pocket. I remember this. And so, um, we decided that what we needed and what we had happen was we needed to have students in small groups, but not with just any teacher. It needed to be teachers. And, and it doesn't matter if they were male or female. It didn't matter um, their number of years of experience or how old they were. It was, could you have this conversation in a real way with the students? And so, and I teach all boys, right? So like, that's like, there were young women that didn't feel comfortable. There were young men that didn't feel comfortable. So it was, who does this, who can be in there? And then teaming someone up who feels comfortable to have the conversation um, with someone that doesn't necessarily, so they could just be in the same space and be, be present when we were talking about this. And even if people felt super uncomfortable, they weren't made to do it. Anyway, my point is, then we had real conversations about not just teaching, not just dictating, facilitating conversation, around what this means what is what is rape um what is consent what is you know and in, in, in your terms like what is bullying what is like we're trying to have the sense of power and one of the things i always talk to my young people about at school was like that like you know bullying is just this like urge to have power but you can have power and do kindness too you can have power and and love people too and it's actually much harder and and so like if you really want to challenge like this is what i would challenge you to do and then walking through what that might look like, walking through what it would look like to unpack your hurt, 
walking through what it would look like to, to care for yourself and to care for those around you, to be an active participant in your school community. But like in a real way where it wasn't just teachery, it was like these, there was these conversations that were deeply meaningful and didn't just stop there. We were trying to build connections with young people that would go on for the rest of the year and in years after that. And so when you are creating these moments, it's not just an assembly, it's not just small groups, it's not just a one-off. It is, if this is a real systemic issue in our school, we need to figure out a way that we're going to change the culture of the school. So we are looking out for kids and there's a million ways to do that, but that's kind of where I would start sort of thinking about this, but it's that pressure piece. That's really going to get it kicked off. If, I mean, you could do all the stuff you want, all the talking that you want, but if you don't get someone to actually move to actually do something, then that's important too. And I would say this, Jennifer, I, this is something that I have a great deal of experience having conversations with young people about and with adults. So if your school does need help, uh, you could reach out and I'd be happy to talk to someone or to come to you all and, and lead professional development, how you could roll this out or anything of that nature. Please just let me know. Or if it's just a talk ideas, I'd, I'd be happy to help. All right. Uh, oh, that was a long answer. I know. I could have went longer too, but. You can always go longer. You love to answer questions. <laughs> Hence love, why we have this show. Um, uh, all right. Sebastian is up next asking, I'm taking over for seventh grade. Hold social on one second. Yes. Sebastian Markblood is one of the greatest names that I could ever come up with. It's a, That's a great name. <laughs> Man, you're a badass. All right. Go ahead. All right. He's taking, or they, they're taking over for seventh grade social studies at their school starting Tuesday. I want to do the letter writing activity you talked about in your day one video. How long do you give them to write? Uh, I feel it out. Your Some kids are, are scroller than others. Your days are half day. They were, the first yeah. Day, so that so. I'd say it was about 20 minutes. Um, and then if you didn't finish, it is becomes a homework assignment that is due by the end of the week. So then if there's time left over the rest of the week where you're like, you do a lesson and the kid gets done early and they have five minutes left or whatever, you can say, oh, all right, you're done. Finish writing your letter. And it's really setting up this idea. So he, so how do we get kids to do something they're not going to get points for? It is really impressing upon them how exciting this is going to be. So even in March, if you give kids letters back, like end of the school year, still a big deal. If you wait till the beginning of next school year, though, and give them back to them on the first day. So for this time, since you're coming in mid-year, you flip that. That is bonkers like that is that is going to be awesome because they're going to forget all about it it's a great reconnection with those students um if you're in the same building as them again next year or even if you're not like if you're in the middle school and they go in the high school showing up at the high school and on their first day you're out there handing out letters oh man they're going to get so excited about it so and then the other thing that helped them is having questions predetermined to help students that are stuck in writing so like what are you stuck on so here's a Here's like 10 sentence starters or 20 sentence starters or, or 20 ideas of things you could write about because you don't want this to be tough. You want it to be effortless. So you help kids out in writing this and capturing this thing because kids don't always know what, like when they're just told to write, it's like, what do I write about? I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. And then it's like, well, who's your best friend? What's your favorite TV show? What's something, a movie you're looking forward to that's coming out this summer or this spring? Um, where do you live right now? Who do you live with? And I'll tell you, I'll, I'll tell you, this was a reminder of how awesome this is. My daughter wrote 
a letter that she put in a bottle and she forgot that she had it. Right. So it was like from what, 2020, <laughs> August of 2020. And she found it the other day and she was like, Oh, like, I'm like, it's kind of like you send a message in a bottle to yourself. And she, her plan was like, go throw it in the ocean. And then it was going to like, someone was going to find it. And she opened it and it was, she was so excited the other day when she did it. Right. She was she just was. like, it was so funny to her how she spoke, the things that she asked and stuff like that. So it is a great idea. I'm, I'm, I'm so glad that you're doing that, Sebastian. But um, yeah, to have those sentence starters is really going to help. All right. Uh, John Fox, this is a great question. Oh, asking, how do we practice kindness to people who wish to do us harm? Not necessarily physical harm, but people who want to see us suffer and fail and are cruel towards us. Or should we not? You know, John, I think... Hmm. When I think of this, it's hard for me not, I'm going to be real, real honest with you. Uh, it's hard for me not to think about things like revenge. Um, because I hear people say like, your happiness is like the best revenge you can have for someone that's like, you know, that's indifferent to you. Right. So I, I once heard someone say that the opposite of love is not hate, it's indifference. And there's a lot of truth in that, I think. But to me, probably because of my faith too, it's really important for me to forgive people. And that those folks are coming out of that place from, that's all about them, right? It's, it's, you know, it's probably never about us, although I don't want to let us off the hook. Like it's important to do some self-reflection, be self-aware and know whether or not you had a hand and and how they were feeling now. But I think that, you know, and, and this isn't even necessarily easy for me because I don't like to make anyone aggravated. I don't like when people aren't happy with me. But for me, it's like doing a... It is living a life that is so full of love and kindness and, and joy, like utter joy that... I don't know. Like, I, I just like, it's, it's, I think that shows other people that like, you're, you don't dictate my behavior. You don't dictate how I feel. And I'm, I'm better at that other times than I, than sometimes better than others. Like I'm way better at that with people at work than I am with like my wife. Um, so like my wife's in a bad mood. <laughs> like, it's just like, I, I, I like to try. I'm like, all right, we're going to try and ride this out. Here we go. If my kids are having a hard day, I'm like, I'm there and I'm like, I'm just going to live in joy. I'm going to live in joy. <laughs> but with people at work, um, I just, they're going to, look, here's the thing, John. One of you is going to dictate culture. One of you is going to dictate how that school runs. It's going to dictate how we, how we communicate with one another. And I think it's, it's like a battle, right? And so are the people that are the haters that are trying to, talk crap on everyone else they're trying to make this sarcastic kind of like uh experience for everyone are they going to win or are the people that are trying to bring love and joy and true meaning to the work that they're doing and bringing hope in are they going to win and it's it really is a battle because it's a because it's hard to show up and laugh and have fun and joy in the midst of of bullshit and so 
I, I, that's what I would keep in mind is like that I am on this battle. Now, what am I going to do? I need to have my army. I need to have a crew of people that are going to do this with me. We have to arm ourselves to get ready. Um, my wife has had her hand up for a very long time. No, I haven't. Curious, have. No, it's saying. a hot second. It's been up. But I do want to just chime in and say, I think that that's easier said than done. It is so easy to say that. But when you're in the midst of it, when you have to face that person <clears throat> and like, it's a not nice person, right? This person wants you to fail, right? Or they're just intentionally cruel towards you when there's that level of like intensity that you're facing from someone. I'm going to go in my in spiritual because that's who we are yeah. like i have to work with god and myself to like love that person intentionally and so if you're not a god person i still think it behooves you and the only way to get through it is to like intentionally send them good vibes like in your mind like it's everything is mind over matter right like we know that the battlefield is always in our own mind we battle ourselves in our mind we talk crap to ourselves in our mind like it's always there so i think if you're talking crap about that person in your mind, you're just going to dig up those negative and like kind of like aggravated feelings about that person. But if you're intentionally trying to like picture them and say like something nice to them about them, blessing them, loving them in your mind, it's going to help when those, when they behave nasty to go, nope. Um, like loving you or like, I, I don't know, you have to flip the script because it's too easy. That negative and bad behavior is, it's, it's too vile to that. It just attacks you. Right. Especially when I think he's dealing with like an, uh, a one-on-one -on -one situation. It's like someone that intentionally doesn't like him mm -hmm. and is making him feel this way or wants these behaviors. I think you have to flip it. And I would work on some sort of meditation of positive vibes towards that person because yep. it'll help you through your day. At least that's, that's what I have found to be effective. Like when I have someone that aggravates me, like I have to work on like mentally loving them because that's not to really love them. I'm not trying to make myself love them. I'm trying to like, I don't, I want to invoke good feelings, not the negative and nasty. Yeah. Yeah. Hope that I helps. That's a good answer. I was, I'm not even going to add on to that. All right. All right. Well, let's move on to the next one. Uh, I love sports. 1981 uh, is up next. It's a good year. Asking... I, mean, I think the Phillies won the pennant that year. So, I mean. For real? Yeah. All right. Woohoo. All right. Asking, um, I'm in my last semester of student teaching and find myself drowning, crafting lesson plans, manage, managing behaviors, and greeting work. How do you manage time without feeling too burnt out? So, you know, I think one is acknowledging that in the beginning, it is, it's just going to be harder, right? It, there, it's, it's so much learning. It's so much getting used. To, if you think about like your first semester in college and how that was so much to juggle and handle. And it was like, Oh, all the free time in the world. And like, but I have to still get work done. And like, it's, it's a lot to kind of figure that out. So it is just hard in the beginning. I think that when I think about things like crafting lesson plans, um, it is, it, it's not recreating the wheel. It's, you can take something from someone else. That's a good idea. Like there's no extra credit in education for coming up with something original. If it worked for someone that, that rocked this lesson in Nebraska and you live in Tennessee, 
your kids don't know what the hell they did in Nebraska, right? So you're the one that went online and found the lesson plan. You're the one that typed in greatest lesson plan ever, or even got something for teachers pay teachers. And I'm a little bit leery of that platform just because like, you don't know the quality, the quality, like, especially in the beginning, you don't know the quality. You don't know if this is actually something that's good or just something that looks pretty. That's a whole nother conversation, but getting something, paying for something is I think it's just fine as long as you know why you're doing what you're doing, right? And making sure that you are putting your own spin on things. Because just because you purchase something, just because you find something online doesn't mean you're just like, you didn't like just, uh, this isn't like HelloFresh where you just like ordered the meal and did the steps and then voila, here's a delicious meal. You still have to do your own thing and you have to know why you're doing what you're doing. So you like some lessons that you find won't hit all the markers that your professors want to see or your cooperating teacher wants to see. The other thing is, so it's like, take, so how do we get from getting burnout? It's not so much output. You have to have some input. So how do we get more input? We need more time. And how do we get more time? We, we have to find hacks in, in how do we get some of the materials that we're getting. And so I think taking things from someone else is just fine. Um, the other piece is Grading work is trying to find ways to grade faster. So I just did, uh, I just put a video out the other day that that was sponsored by this company called Gravic, and they have this thing called um, Remark Test Remark Test Grading, mm -hmm. right? Uh, I, I kept saying Remark Grading System, and they were like, "You said <laughs> the name wrong." Every time I made their video, I was like, "Ah!" Uh, but something like that, and I'm not just saying this because I worked with them. I worked with them because I believe in their product and I think it's wonderful and it gives teachers back the thing that they want the most, which is time. And so finding ways to take multiple choice work and grade it as fast as possible, getting kids to help you grade stuff, getting kids to help you organize stuff, getting kids to help you like not input grades, but I would always have a kid all the time. I never looked at papers and my keyboard at the same time. I would just say, all right, ready? You're going to tell me the name and tell me the grade. And then I would go through, they'd already be in alphabetical order. So I've already went along with my grade book. And then one of my students last year, usually this kid, Gian, Gian would say, all right, here's the name. Here's the, here's the grade. Here's the name. Here's the grade. And then I'm, we're just rocking them through. So we're finding ways to steal back that time again. And then, then you have more energy for classroom management. If you don't have energy, classroom management, you can have all the, the procedures and skills and routines in the world. But if you don't have the energy to implement them, it's like you're guys, stop talking. Guys, can you please? Can you please stop talking? Um, so what we're doing is we are having more energy to put into those things. How do we manage classroom management in very, very short terms? I think it's relationships with students. It's calling home and talking to parents. Um, and even at this late in the game in your in your experience, it's like calling home and saying, hey, what's something about your kid that would help me to engage them in class? Like, what's their favorite kind of class? Who is their favorite kind of teacher? And getting that information and then trying to use some of that stuff in class. The other thing that really helps with classroom management is, I think, routines and, and rhythms in class. So it's not just rules. And this is how we do it because I said we, this is how we do it. It's let me teach you how to like, how do we create a flow in the class? So every Monday, we're going to go from this thing to this thing to this thing to this thing. And, and once kids do that, they get into the rhythm of it. And if you have rhythm, you know this, that you can be dancing and you can have a misstep. And all of a sudden, if you have that flow and you have that sense of rhythm, you can just fall right back into it. 
And so it's starting to create that. But look, I would just, my last thing to say is that is a reminder that teaching is a craft, right? It takes, a, it takes time to get great at being a teacher. So it's not looking at anything like it's a loss, looking at everything like it's a lesson. And so you are looking at stuff, you're seeing what worked, what didn't work, and then you're learning from that and you're moving forward um, because this is, it's hard. It's harder than people make it. Like teaching's a lot like getting, like if you ever got a tattoo or someone got a tattoo and you go, oh, that hurt. And they're like, no, it didn't even hurt. And you're like, bro, what? What? Like those, what's wrong with you? Every tattoo hurts, right? Like it's, it's not maybe like the worst thing you ever experienced in your life, but they freaking hurt, man. And so teaching is not like, it's this thing that everyone likes to pretend like, like they just like were good at from the jump. And it's like, no, you weren't. Like teaching is hard to do. It is a hard thing to do, um, but it's worth it. So if you put in the time and energy and you keep getting better, actively trying to get better, you will get better. And then you will turn around one day and some, and this is what happened to me. Someone new came into the building. They had a problem. They came to me and said, what do you do when you have this issue in class? And I thought, holy crap. I have a friggin' answer for this and it's good. Like you, you walk into someone else's classroom and you go, man, I know exactly what I would do. Or you just, you start like seeing what else is happening. You're like, no, I, I feel like I'm getting this. And so that's what I would do. All right. Justine is up next. Hit it. Asking now that it's been a short time outside of the classroom, how are you feeling? Thoughts of returning? So Justine, um, <laughs> I would say, I recently went back to my old high school that I worked at for an event. Um, students asked me to come back to see them uh, perform in, in, in a performance, in a performance thing. And so I, in walking into the building, immediately realized that it was no better than when I left. Like it was a disaster. And so, um, however, I spoke to a buddy of mine the other day. I don't want to talk too much about this just in case someone hears this, but like talk to a buddy of mine um, that went to our, our like sister school, brother school, whatever, I don't know, whatever, uh, a partnering school and is having the time of his life. He's like, it is so great here. It is, it is teachers first. It is helping students really like meeting them where they are creating space to help students with stuff. It was just like incredible for him. So I think I'm actually going to start going up and and trying to like volunteer some time there, which is something that I've wanted to do with my previous school. But it's just like as soon as I went up there, I just knew that this is not a place I could do this. All it's going to do is make me angry because we're not doing anything good for kids here. It's just a disaster. But, um, you know, so I think the way I'm feeling is that there's so much to be done and how are we going to be able to do this work that feels this big? Like I want to help teachers immediately. I want to put out stuff immediately. But what I'm realizing, Justine, is that as an educator, I, I didn't always have time in a year to reach excellence in every single lesson plan. There just wasn't time. There are other things that are taking your time. And, so, and it wasn't, it just became something that wasn't the most important to me. As a business owner and as someone that's creating experiences for teachers, I want to only operate on excellence. And I'm not letting perfection get a hold of me, right? I'm not necessarily a perfectionist, 
I'm not actually anything like a perfectionist. I'm more like, oh, that's a good idea. Let's make that real quick. Um, but I am, I feel more committed than ever to this work that we're doing. I literally look at each month. I'm like, all right, we made, when we made the February, I was like, we made the February. All right, tomorrow's March 1st. Woo, all right, we made it to March. It's halfway through March. We're still alive. We're still rolling. We're still doing this thing. Um, and so I just want to do more. I want to speak at every school that I can between now and forever. I want to work with every teacher that I can. I want to take on every opportunity to help teachers as much as possible because it could not be clearer to me that this is that teachers need help and that I can't solve every problem, but I can show up and give what I've got to every single situation, like, like give everything I've got. And I am, I feel incredibly committed, especially when I spend time with young people and I realize, nope, I can't teach all these kids. Um, I couldn't, I couldn't go and fix a whole school. Um, that's unwilling. Um, but what, what I can do is equip teachers with what they need to help them thrive in the classroom. And I feel great about that. And I like wearing sweatpants all day. I'll be oh, honest with you. And where are all like the first, the students that you taught for the first five years? Can we just clip that and send it out to all of them? All those students did. that you made fun I of. Was at, <laughs> uh, I was at a funeral for a former student a few months ago. And they started saying all the things that they're like, yo, Reynolds, I'm, I'm not going to lie. Every time I go out, <laughs> everyone sounds right. I'm not going to lie. Every time I go out in sweatpants, I just think Reynolds telling me that if you walk, I used to tell students that if you leave, if you, what is it? If you go out in public in sweatpants, it means you've lost your will to live right now. Look, sweatpants, <laughs> culture has changed, right? So, but yes. now I would say the same thing about pajama pants. I don't know that I'd say that about sweatpants anymore. But if you walk out of your house and go like do an activity, right? I'm not talking about taking the garbage out or picking up your mail, but you go to the food store, the mall or anywhere else in pajama pants, you may have lost your will to live. Especially <laughs> if you're wearing Crocs and socks at the same time. It's like, bro, seek counseling immediately. Stop it. You're terrible. Um, okay. Teaching with Mr. Hayes is up next. He's asking any tips for students that don't get along and are quite rude to each other, opting for timeouts and, or for targeted behavior, but not a sustainable measure wanting to prevent. Cheers, mate. I was hoping you were going to say that last Tuesday. <laughs> I think you're going to call me out if I didn't. Yeah, he's from. I think he's from. Mr. Hayes is from Australia, I believe, right? Yes. Um, and so because we asked him about those biscuits last time. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So, I, you know, I think Hayes. It's not to me always about kids getting along. It's almost about like agreeing to disagree. Right. There's some people you're just not going to get along with. There are people that I work with that weren't bad people. It's kind of like their vibe didn't match my vibe. Like the energy wasn't the same. It was like. Not everybody's your jam. Yeah. Like you're just like. And not, I think kids need to learn that. And the first place to learn that is like the playground. It's like when yeah. you're little and then it's in school. Like, But it's the part of bickering life. part, right, with young people is. Right. That's a different thing. Now what is happening when we bicker, right? Like you want so much to zap that person to get to get to get your your jab in or your word in edgewise or or you know I don't know why I'm using these <laughs> like it's alliteration like like uh like zing them uh I feel like it's, I feel like this is like old school Batman and Robin like whack bam we just need to have yeah. all this flash up now but what are you losing when you do that so you're you feel like you're gaining some 
sort of like like there's a plus to this like you feel better like when you just let them have it but then what are you losing on the on the outside right you are getting a timeout you're losing time on the playground you're getting a detention you're getting in trouble whatever it is so it's like why don't we just agree to like why just leave each other alone because this is all that's happening and I would have a conversation with, you know, if this was me and, and especially depending on how old these children are, but because older parents are parents of older kids are going to be less likely to do this. But if I had the right age kids, I would have parents come in and I would mitigate something. I would I would have those students in some sort of like um, meaningful conversation where they're being talked to by someone else. They're working out like what is actually happening? Like what is making, what is, what are they doing? That's making you so upset. Why do you feel like you have to respond that way? And without trying to like, just make this punitive, but make it constructive and make it something that's conversational and something that's going to help students to really understand where the other one is coming from and understand, have kids understand where their own actions are coming from. Especially when you're young, you just act, you just do it. You don't even know why you did a thing. And so, and we see this all the time in school and you go, why did you do that? I don't know. And the, the truth is a lot of times kids don't know because they're just impulsive. And so having some sort of scenario where you're sitting down with everyone um, is going to just make your life easier too. Cause then you don't have these kids like constantly battling and bickering and going at one another. Um, and that's fine. And look, and if all that doesn't work, it's, you know, one of the things that young people have to realize is that, all of your choices in life, whether you made a choice intentionally or unintentionally, that your behavior is something that like you have to live with the ramifications of that. And so as adults, we have, you know, our prefrontal cortex is more developed. And so we are able to think before we speak. And we're always telling young people this, right? Think before you speak. And it's like, ah, they, they're not done developing. This is not always a skill set that they possess, but like possess or not, this is something that like, are you, you're going to have to live with the ramifications. So if you hit someone, if you curse at somebody, if you treat someone poorly, you have to now, like there's learning to do from the thing you did wrong. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Um, you know, and how we want to do that is far more in depth. Like, like I'm not about just putting kids in detention to have them sit there and do nothing, but like, I don't know. I think it's walking kids through that skill set, what that would be like to have ownership, to have control over yourself. And then what does that self-control look like and how are we treating other people? There, there's a lot of things there that you could kind of enter into. That was that answer made a lot of sense on the front end. And I feel like I lost myself in the end of it. Well, I hope it made sense to Did it make sense to you? Mr. Hayes. I wasn't I was half listening. Sorry. Classic. Well, I look for questions, you know. Classic. All right, go ahead. Babe. That's it. We're all done. Are we all done? All right. Yeah, oh, yeah. Right right, all right. Cool. And Marley wants to probably come home soon. <sighs> um, so look, gang, I appreciate you. I know it is towards the end of the year. Some of you are ready to go on spring break. Some of you are on spring break. Um, enter into that spring break, please, with the most you can get out of it, right? What you're trying to do is not just let it all go and become just a blob on the couch, but finding ways to fill yourself up, do something that's fun, hang out with people that give you life, try something new. Um, it, it is really about thinking of this as not just a break, but as a fit, like you are on the highway in the middle of the desert. And oh man, there's a gas station. It's a Love's truck stop all of a sudden. And you can do just about anything at a Love's truck stop. And so, I mean, look, Americans know what I'm talking about. So 
um, getting out there, doing that, and filling up so you can finish this year with everything that you've got uh, is, is just my advice I want to impart you with. So, look, if you need anything else from us, um, you can go right to realrapwithreynolds.com. Everything that you need is there. You can go right to teacherclassoff.com if you're interested in grabbing our book or on Amazon. And for really, I think the best place for teachers in the whole world is really our Facebook group. It is unbelievable in there. So right at uh, Real Rap with Reynolds Teacher Talk uh, is our Facebook group, and it's only educators in there and stuff like that. So, and look, gang, if you're if you're looking for anyone to speak at your school. This uh, spring or in the summer or in the fall, please reach out to us right at realrapwithreynolds.com. And I can send you all the information of what that would look like to, uh, to have me come and speak at your school. We are filling up a lot of spots for the summer, but there's still a lot of spots left. So I'm trying to fill as many places as I can, get get to as many schools as I can to really help teachers be who they're called to be. It is like my utter, utter passion. So with that... Um, I say thanks for being on here. I really, really appreciate all of you guys. It is never lost on me. And that's it. We'll see you next week. Peace.